What's up, guys? Ryan Horn here, and welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. This is the one and only podcast specifically designed to help married businessmen create more profit and purpose in their business without sacrificing their family, health, or marriage in the process. Each week, I interview some of the world's most extraordinary men, including seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, elite athletes, best-selling authors, and world-class speakers. Today, we have Chris Kaplan on. So in 1996, Chris started Chris & Co., which a manufacturer's sales agency that represented and sold the coolest of brands to all retailers across the Northeast. And after running for 20 years from zero to eight figures, he sold it in May of 2016. He started K2 Coaching in 2012 as a side hustle, and somewhere along the way, he found himself fulfilled like never before. The mission of K2 Coaching is empowering better in CEOs, entrepreneurs, and their people to kickstart clarity to be better versions of themselves. And he's spent almost three decades in many deep immersion and learning programs, including business growth, leadership, team building, personal growth and development, sales training, coaching, certifications, NLP, and many more. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Fabulous. With my Tony Robbins shirt on for the day. (laughs) Nice, nice. All right. So we will... Hey, thanks for the intro, man. I think I need to have you like just (laughs) write some intros for me for future stuff. That was awesome. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. So why don't we start off? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got started in entrepreneurship? I joke and I say I think I'm actually unemployable. And... (laughs) which I, I was, I don't know, nine years old and my family was owned a retail store and we would take part of that retail store to Cape Cod for the summer. Mm-hmm. And that's where we would spend, we spent a couple summers and I, I got bored working in the store. So I uh, strapped on roller skates and cruised around town and found this local coffee shop ask them if they were hiring and they're like, dude, you're nine. (laughs) And so I went to all the retailers along the shop, along the street and um, like asked them what they like, like what they wanted for breakfast, what they wanted for coffee in the morning or cookies in the morning. There was this great place called milk and cookies on in, in Provincetown. And I took their orders on the night before and then the next morning got up early, went to milk and cookies, ordered all their coffees and, and cookies and just roller skate delivered them to everyone. Quickly realized if I baked my own cookies, my margins would be better mm-hmm. and I could have better cookies too. But I got, I kept getting my coffee from them. I think they even gave me a discount and it wasn't until a buddy of a family member who was a little older than me, probably, I don't know, teens or like old enough to have been stopped by a police officer to say, if you're going to run a business, you need a license to do so. I think we were called roller cookies. And um, I kept doing it because I'm like, what are you going to do to a nine-year-old? That was really like probably the earliest beginnings of of entrepreneurship and, you know, paper routes soon followed and car washes and, 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 and service businesses. And I've, I've, while I've worked places for short periods of time, I don't think I've ever had a job that I mean, when, ugh, yeah, I don't think I've ever had a job for more than three to six months. And, and, oh. and the last time I had a job was one of those was 30 plus years ago. 
That's awesome. So you've been an entrepreneur pretty much your whole life. Yeah. Awesome. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you, um, when you started your company, Chris and Co? Mm. Solopreneur much of my life, entrepreneur for a latter part of my life and solopreneur again. Uh, and there's a, I think there's a differentiation between the two. Entrepreneurs, I think, create jobs. Um, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs create jobs for other people. Entrepreneur, solopreneurs create jobs for themselves would be my subtle differentiation. I think the biggest challenge is that I was, um, I was 26 years old when I started Chris and Company and I knew I wanted to do something that touched re My mom owns a retail store in Rochester, New York. We sell really cool stuff there. It's like 6,000 square feet under one building, 2,000 in the square feet in the building across the street. And I, I liked cool, funky, design-oriented. When I say giftware, I don't mean country collectibles or, or dust collectors. You know, everything had form and function and some kind of design element to it. And I, I think the biggest challenge was I was too young. I didn't have any sales reps at the time. So vendors were like, you know, we're not going to hire you to represent our product because you don't have any sales reps. And sales reps were like, we're not going to come work for you because you don't have any vendors. You know, so, you know, there's some skills I've learned from some stepfathers along the way. And one of them was how to make a $10 bill look like a hundred. And um, I hustled. I just, I worked. I like, like, give me one thing to sell. I go out and sell the crap out of that. And, or uh, there was an instance where there was a vendor who I really wanted and there's no way they were going to interview me. There was no, we, I didn't have anyone covering upstate New York. There was no way, they, but I knew they needed a sales rep because mm -hmm. I knew that no one was calling on a few stores. Uh, Design Ideas was the name of the company. They were super famous once upon a time for those gel gems, those little things you stuck up on your window and, and uh, um, drove the OCD in your family crazy. And pre-show, I took the catalog around to every retailer that I was calling on in upstate New York and was like, let's place your order through me and I'll bring it to the show. I'm going to give it to them, um, but I want to show up to a potential interview with a staff. And I showed up to that order, to that, to that first day of the show, I introduced myself. Hi, Andy, my name is Chris and I love your line. I think I could do a really good job selling it. He's like, how many sales reps do you have? I'm like, I don't have any. He's like, yeah, we're really looking for an established firm. And I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. wait, wait, wait. I'm going to hit the home run in two seconds here. And I'm like, how about I just give you this stack of orders? These are what I've taken in the last three weeks prior to the show. You do with them what you want. And if you like what you see, then you know how to reach me because my name's on the top of every single one of them. Shook his hand and walked away. I think I handed him like $16,000 in orders, which was probably a pretty good day for a trade show. It's certainly great for the first five minutes of the show as a way to start and bam, off I went. Amazing. You know, Tony Robbins says 80% of success in anything is your mindset and 20% is the strategy and the skills. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. People ask me how to change their mindset and I'm like, ah, I don't know. Change it. Um, I'm like, I don't know. Um, I fundamentally agree with it. I'm a firm believer that anything is possible. You know, I'm doing a talk, 10 minute talk tomorrow to a BNI group and the title of it is Anything is Possible, Kickstarting Clarity. It's an Iron Man mantra of mine. In 1954, uh, April 16th, Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile. 
and it was the first time it was done. They've been trying to go after this four minute mile for like 90 years prior to that, probably longer, but as an attempts at it or um, attempt to get to that. And um, I think his pacer broke it that day also, but nobody really knows who that person's name is, but nine people in the next six months can broke the four minute mile. And it's the standard for which high school athletes run at, at, at an elite level today. So when you see something happen, it's easy to believe that it's possible. And once you believe it's possible, you can come up with every like training method or like learning thing I need or whatever, right? Once I believe something's possible, I will make move mountains to, to, to make it happen. But if I have a bit of self-doubt or no, it's not possible, which is really comfortable in this world, right? People will tell you, if you say to somebody, oh, you know, how'd that go? Oh, you know, it was a big, huge challenge and, you know, COVID happened and blah, 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 blah. I mean, like 95% of the world will be like, oh, I feel your pain, sympathy, empathy right on, you know, I'm right there with you. Misery loves company. And it's just because you believed it wasn't possible. And this, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what the shift is. I don't. And now I do. And once I do, my mind kicks into gear. And I think most even leadership teams that I work with, CEOs that I work with, anyone that I work with, once they believe it's possible, have that clarity of that vision, it's their job then to do their role in helping to make that happen. And so as an individual or as a family member or as a CEO or entrepreneur with a team, it's my job to create that clarity and get everyone on board with it. And if everyone's not on board with it, see you later. Like seriously, like you're like, you are a barnacle. It does not belong in this boat. Get off. Um, I, we will not drag that. Maybe I need to talk to a mindset coach one day because oftentimes people are like, I need to talk to a mind. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like I've never needed it. I mean, I get bad days once in a while. Right. But I'm like, I don't, like really a mindset, like really you can take somebody from it's not to it is. Why don't you just go there? You want it to happen but you'll come up with every reason why it can't, I would fundamentally say you don't really want it to happen. Yeah, you definitely, you have to want it, right? I was sitting, you know, 30 years ago, I was sitting in a jail cell facing 10 and a half to 15 years. And I didn't think any of my life would be possible. And, you know, I just came, I came out of there like, like charged and ready to like, just prove the rest of the world wrong and, you know, and do something good. So my grandfather could see me do something good before he, and, and you know, it's just like, like, I'm a firm, firm believer that that's where it all starts. If it's locked in here, forget about it. Like, tell me, please, dear God, tell me it's not possible. Because it's so much fun to then show people how actually simple some crazy things are. I agree 100%. I mean, I think you have to have something bigger than yourself to drive you because otherwise, even if you reach a certain level of success, you know, what's going to drive you from going from $300,000 a year where you're comfortable to a million or 10 million? It's always been three things. Maybe it's a fourth thing. And I just forget that one all the time. Like I I have to believe, right? So I want clarity of vision in myself and family and my friends and my and my clients and my teams that I work with, I want them like super clear on where we're going. You can't even get into an Uber without telling it where you want to go. I don't know why people live their lives without knowing where they want to go. Seriously, it's the first question I'd ask you. Where do you want to go today? 
right? And do you want a do you want a cool car? Do you want a cheap car? Do you want a bus? I mean, you even get a choice for strategy. It's like it's the same thing. Like, where do you want to go? I think that having a why, having a purpose, having a reason, having a mission, having a, some kind of like what what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like, I want to make people better versions of themselves. Like, if a mm-hmm. post does it, great, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'm done by 8 a.m. Um, and some days it, it requires a little bit more fuel to, to, to feed my soul in helping people. Actually, I want to see somebody become a better version of themselves or I want to talk with somebody face-to-face and, and see that transformation or that breakthrough or give that cloud or whatever it is, right? So yeah. every day there's, but it could be as little as, you know, I think Tony taught me a long time ago, you can, you, like, you set a rule or set, set, set that value, but you make the rule so easy that, like, any little thing you do, fulfilling. Yeah, so that vision, that purpose, and then some rules, right? Like I don't wanna, like I hate when, when people are like doing things, but they're breaking, you know, like they're not spending time with their kids or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. char- just charging, 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 charging forward. And you ask them how they're doing, they're like, I'm busy. Yeah, you bring up a great point, definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are unhappy along the journey. And when they get to where they're, finally going that they find out it's not as fulfilling as they thought. And Listen, if the ladder up. sucks, if the journey sucks, the destination is going to suck more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like you were saying, I mean, it's, it's not worth giving up your family and your yeah. wife and all of those other yeah. things just to get somewhere where you're, you're not all that happy and fulfilled anyway, by the time you get there, you know, you've been in business for a long time. You've learned a lot of lessons. So if you could go back to when you were first starting out, what would you tell yourself now, knowing what you know now? I've answered this question a bunch of times. And, and, you know, it's where we met. I would have simply just told myself, go see Tony sooner, period. Everything else, like no regrets, no, you know, like uh, there's, who do you wish you could become? And I'm like, me, you know, and everything's not always perfect. Like, right. like you know, like, like, like the rest of the world, nothing's perfect. But I think if I could go back to my 26-year-old self, it would have been, go see Tony. I'd listen to him. You know, I had audio cassettes back then. No one listening to this call knows what the hell an audio cassette is. Right? <laughs> you know, I think you stick a little pen in to rewind it. Um, um, person, like, it was ridiculous. But, like, to have gone to a live event back then, and there were plenty to choose from that, and, 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 and with physically within reach, I waited. I saw friends. I saw countless mm-hmm. friends go and go and go and go. And it wasn't until um, only five, six years ago that I went to my first event. And I don't want to say life-changing in, 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 a, in a different kind of way, but it would have been like some kind of crazy superpower back then. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Simple advice, but I agree 100%. I mean, I think same thing. And live events are so powerful. It's just it's just different learning live and being with peers that are like-minded. So how important do you think it is to have a coach? Fundamental. The best and brightest have some kind of coach. You know, there's not an athlete out there who's at the top of their game who isn't working with a multitude of coaches, if not just one. Mm-hmm. If one might be on mindset, one might be on the game itself, one might be on the fundamental, like, um, or, or and or the business of right. There's no, there there are so many great leaders. There's a a, a great book recently, Trillion Dollar Coach, 
where Bill, where Campbell was the coach of like, you know, the guys at Google and the guys at otherwise, how these, the brightest individuals on the planet who were just going into new uncharted territory had, you know, this humble football coach from Nebraska guiding them along. I mean, and not, I don't even say that as a coach, cause like, like, you know, the sh- I can work with like eight to 12 business clients at any one time and probably eight to 10 um, solopreneurs um, in that same. And so it's a, it's not a crazy schedule for me. And I don't want to, I'd never want to be a coach who's got 40, 50, 60, hundreds clients. I'm not interested in it. I like, it's lifestyle business for me. I travel. So it's not a statement I make to say, Hey, you know, come give Chris a K2 coaching a chance. It's just like, if you want to get better at something here, it says it right on my wall. Right. Your friends are comfortable with your present. Your coach is comfortable with your future. And the only differentiation between those two is you tell me where you want to go and I'll make sure that you're comfortable getting there. It's a moment I'm comfortable at getting there. We're going to get there. And I'm uncomfortable where a lot of people tell me they want to go. They're like, oh, I want to be on a billion dollar business. I'm like, I don't know. How about a hundred thousand dollar one first? Let's prove that, you know, hey, Sparky. I know that you just got two clients, but you know, and I don't want to bust your bubble, but like, what's the next step? Everyone, you know, like everyone wants to run a billion dollar business. It's the most like, of course, right? Let's just set a goal so big so that when we fail, the world will be like, well, dude, seriously, you took off too, you know, you tried to eat too big of an elephant in one bite, in one bite. Yeah, absolutely. No, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, coaches for me, there's no way I would be, where I'm at today without coaches. And I think one of the best things they do is they challenge you. Like you said, they challenge you They ask you great questions. And so what would you say to someone, maybe an entrepreneur who's newer or maybe just starting out who doesn't think they need, need a coach. They say, you know, maybe, well, I'll get a coach later. It's too expensive right now. Or, you know, what would you say to them? I try not to have a conversation about how much it costs. Right. It's, it's an investment. And, you know, I, when I'm chatting with a company, oftentimes we talk about when you hire the wrong person because you wanted to save some money and it ends up costing you like three to five times, 10 times multiple that when you, if you, you know, if you needed a $65,000 a year salesperson and you found somebody who was willing to do it for 30, like you're going to end up spending $300,000 before you get the right person in the job. You could have just spent the 65, got the right person and move forward. It's not the solution for everyone. You know, sometimes people need a little more, ta- you know, like I'm not the tactical guy. I'm the framework guy. I'm the question guy. I'm the guy who's going to like, let's get clarity on where we're going, why we're going there, what our, you know, what our short-term plans are, what our long-term plans are, what our strengths, what our weaknesses, what our patterns are. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the guy to say, hey, you want to start a blog post, you know, you're going to need to get uh, Russell's click funnel thing going on and then you're going to have to hook it up to Infusionsoft and little, I mean, I know all that stuff, but like, like yeah. that's not my job. You know, yeah. like, or, you know, people are like, I got coaching friends who did really well in specific industries and then everyone else wants to hire them because they were, did really well in selling their company. And, you know, they're like, I just know the framework, like, and we got really lucky, right? They bought us for culture. They bought it. They didn't. And sometimes it's not duplicatable. Sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's that consistent 
putting that framework in over and over and over again. And that framework just makes the, you know, I would say like when we put framework in on the company, well, it's not the, we don't make the car go fast. I make sure when the car goes fast, shit doesn't fall off. I don't build the engine. I don't build the tire. I like, I, like I help ask questions like how much grip do you need? What kind of people, you know, like what functions do you need here? Who's the best people to fill those functions? What kind of data do we need to measure? How can we solve these issues quickly? You know, like what core processes do you want to get right? What are the most important things to do? 10 years, three years, 90 days this week. How do we want to talk about this on a consistent basis? What do you suck at? What are you good at? Like, what do you not like? What do you not like? Why do you do what you do? coaching questions. Yeah, no, I mean, that's so important. And I mean, I can definitely relate to that because I definitely wish I would have hired a coach earlier on in in my business career because I didn't really have that crystal clear vision and knowing exactly where I was going and why I was doing it. And, you know, we all have blind spots too. So we don't like asking ourselves some of those hard questions. We don't even think of those questions sometimes. So yeah, I was so- like 30 when I hired my first coach and he was a, um, Will Kalmus is his name. He's passed away since. Mm-hmm. And he was a, um, he was a psychiatrist and with a, with a, with a focus on business, you know, he, he has psychi- psychiatric practice mm-hmm. and uh, business and a master's in, in, in business from like Harvard or something. And uh, we're, he was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I was in Somerville. And um, I used to go see him every other week. But it was really, I was hiring employees, and they were all significantly old. I was 30, and I was hiring this great team and, you know, just full of energy. But I needed, I struggled with, you know, how do I meet them where they're at? How do I, how do I manage that? I've never like manage people. Are you kidding? Like all of a sudden, like I got this company, right? I got, so he was kind of like my management coach at the time. He didn't know a lick about business, my particular kind of business. He was not influential in, in any way, shape or form in finding us new vendors, setting up new relationships with new customers. But I learned how to talk to my employees incredibly well. And when, you know, when, when Peggy would do something and I'd have a problem with that, I would go to Will first and Will would say, have you, you know, ask her this, 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 and this. And I'd mm-hmm. ask, and, and just asking those questions alone by themselves, let Peggy know I cared, right? Yep. She still works for the company 22 years later, five years after I sold it. And uh, it's, I got lucky. Right. I wasn't looking for somebody to strengthen my relationships with. I showed up with a problem and the problem was like things are growing faster than I know what to do with them. But from a conversation complexity issue and I just happened upon like in the yellow pages. I don't know if anyone knows. What those <laughs> and um, so and I've had somebody in my life in some way, shape, form or fashion. You know, sometimes I get rid of my business coach and I'm like, I had a triathlon, Simon Lessing as a triathlon coach, or I had a tennis coach for a little while, or I had a coaching coach for a little while. I was writing a book and I had a book writing coach. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, sometimes there's been a, mo- a few of them all at once and sometimes just one. How important do you think it is to maintain a balance between your business and your marriage? You want to stay married? I didn't do a great job with this early on. And, and, then when, and then when I started doing Ironman, I think it even got a little worse for a while too, because I had two young kids working mm-hmm. a little bit and then training like a madman for Ironman. It really wasn't until, you know, Kimberly will come in and confirm that if ever necessary. 
that, you know, there was a shift where she realized that she wanted to be part of the journey and she figured out like, okay, I'll, I'm in charge of setting up the tent. And then if Ryan wants to come and do an Ironman with us and, and he wants, or, or his wife wants to do an Ironman, I'll make sure that Ryan and the rest of the family, like know where to set their tent up and know when he's going to come around or when she's going to come around. And she became like the, the like go-to person for new people. Uh, anyone first timers, like just meet here, introduce yourself to my wife. She'll show you like the whiteboard and, and everyone's names on it. And when we think uh, they're going to come around and, and uh, like she was the ultimate in support crew for that. I heard something. Uh, I heard something at a funeral for my father-in-law four or five years ago. And then it was, re, it was like rehammered in at date with destiny just before it. So I knew he was sick. I went to date with destiny because he told me I, I had to do an Ironman and a date with destiny after like a month after finding out he was riddled with cancer. And, you know, but Stephen was still like, just go, just go. Just, it's, it's your life. Don't stop building your life for me. You're not a cancer doc. You're not a surgeon. You're like, seriously, you're not, you're really not going to help me. Okay, I'll go. And I heard these words. My job, my responsibility is to simply provide a platform for everyone to be the best version of themselves. And that was cool because I was like, hey, kind of fits my overall purpose in general as a coach while offering unconditional love and no judgment. The moment I started making our relationship about how I could just simply provide that platform I didn't have to be judgmental about what she needed to do. She needed to come to this counselor with us, blah, 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 blah. like mm-hmm. exponentially that their relationship ratcheted up to unbelievably high levels, you know, like beyond above and beyond, like, is she seen? Is she understood? Is she heard? This mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to like, just take that as the baseline and add this. Now I'm just going to let everyone around me. And, and, and first it was a, for, the thought process was, well, that's great for coaching clients. And then something triggered and said, no, that's for home. And since that time, like it's just gotten remarkably well early on, you know, like, I don't know, we were successful in business. So we did a lot of fun stuff together. We had kids and we were in Boston and, and, moving from you know one new house to another new house as the markets were going up and enjoying that fun ride and you know there were nice luxuries that we had that were probably offset or probably needed because the you know like one of the reasons I teach what I teach today in framework and fundamentals to business is that prior to Ironman for me I was it was 2008 I was I don't know, I was 40 years old, running a successful business, but I was working like 65 to 80 hours a week at it, at the showroom, late, on calls, traveling, this Mm -hmm. board, you know, EO stuff here, for like, I just was, I was never home. And I went to, 2008 happened. We started, we were already starting to put the same, these fundamentals in our business. So 2008 happened, nine happened. And it was kind of like COVID back then. Like, it wasn't that you were told to stay home. You just, there was no reason not to. Uh, like I, I went running and I never got back to more than 10 to 20 hours of work a week. 
I liked my Iron Man stuff too much. And I just figured out like, what function do I need to play at this company to give it everything that it deserves and needs? And then let's not do anything else. And I fell in love with the fact that we could grow a company back up to its original size with that framework in place while going from killing myself to not killing myself and, 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 and being there for the kids a little bit more and be for my wife a little bit more. And then, you know, was the reason why when somebody asked me to coach their company early on, I jumped all over it, having no idea what I was doing, figured it out along the way and then fell in love with, this is cool. I can take Ryan from overworked and overwhelmed and constantly putting out fires and never having time for his wife and burning out of his company to make the company run a little bit smoother, get it a little more focused, have a better team in place, you know, be there for the things that he really needs to be there for, let him play to his unique ability there, and then go be the husband and father and person that he really wants to become. Cool. People pay me for that? I would do that for, I won't, I won't do it for free. I would, but <laughs> I, only, I only say I wouldn't do it for free because every time I have a pro bono client, they don't do anything. Yeah, that's true. People that pay, pay attention, right? Skin, skin in the game, baby. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's amazing. So you're able to share all of your wisdom and all the things that you learned that, you know, you find it took you this long to figure out and now you're able to just come in and help people get to that level much quicker. That's awesome. And sometimes I do, you know, like it's, I beat myself up when it doesn't happen right. Regardless, I'll always do that. Like it's, but I fundamentally believe I've been sober for 31 years. Right. And uh, I got, I can't, I was sober for two and a half years, went back out and I've been sober for 31 more years. Right. So started at 17, my drinking career was not a long one, but I knew I wasn't ready. But the moment I became ready, things changed. And sometimes clients, for whatever reason, they're not ready. They think they want it. They want the path. They want the red pill. They want the silver bullet. They want the whatever, but they're not ready to like get honest, do the work and show up and be a better version of themselves. And when they are, it's magical, right? And that's like, and most of the times I have nothing to do with that. And they show up ready to just do the work, hungry, humble. Yeah. Some awesome wisdom. So where can people go to find out more about you? So... Both names are with a K, chriskaplan.com, Google me. And if you can't find me after Googling me, then I got nothing for you because I'm on the front page. My cell phone number's there for crying out loud. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This has been awesome. And we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. My pleasure. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man podcast. Listen, do you want to maximize your experience and get even more value from this podcast? Go to aoemen.simplecast.com and take two minutes to fill out my Help Us Help You survey. The goal for this survey is to learn how we can best serve you in 2021 by bringing you the content you want most. And as a thank you, you will automatically be entered into a drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Head over to aoemen.simplecast.com dot com and just click on the survey in the top menu until next time remember to go out there and become the man you were created to be i'll see you on the next episode